It's time, D-Heads! Disney Blue presents The Diz Radio Show. Every week, Diz Radio lets you relive the magic, movies, and memories with celebrity guests, the best of classic entertainment, newest hits, retrospects, and breaking news on Hollywood's latest. So put on those ears, strap on the proton packs, beware of Lost Boys, jump on a hoverboard, and flip that dial to the Disney Sunday movie. The Diz Radio Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. All right, all you D-heads out there, we are back with another installment here at Diz Radio and the Diz Radio Show. And this week for show number 248, we are continuing on, yes, with our month-long celebration of the very Merry Christmas celebration here at the show. We are having all kinds of fun, Christmas guests, music, tunes, all kinds of tidbits to get you in that holiday spirit. And with us here this week is somebody that is a legend when it comes to film, TV, an author, and so much more. We have none other than Ed Bagley Jr. stopping in here at the show. Now, you may know Ed Bagley from a variety of different things, from his breakout role on St. Elsewhere, as well as She-Devil, Transylvania 65000, Young Sheldon, Best in Show. He's also an author, wrote his newest memoirs that just came out, as well as his Earth-Friendly Products, for uh, dogs, family, cleaning, you name it. And Ed's going to stop in and talk about a variety of different things. What it's like being part of this outstanding career over decades and decades passed on to generations, as well as his earth-friendly products going into Walmarts and Costco stores and his newest memoirs, which has a lot of crazy stories in it. But we'll tackle those later when Ed stops in here at the show. Now, no show would be complete without the D-Team and celebrating those festivities, the fun, and all the great things here. But yes, we have the D-Team back. We have Aaron, Dominic, Jeremy, Cody, Michael, and Frank all stopping in here with their signature segments, bringing a little bit of holiday cheer for all of you. So get ready for that as well. There is all kinds of fun here at the show. I am excited to be back, be in the heart of it, putting on that Santa hat, sitting here in the studios. It just feels like Christmas. And if you're in the Midwest... St. Nick just arrived here this week as well, and that's something I'll touch base on a little bit later. So all of you D-heads out there, it is fun. I'm excited. The D-team is back. Ed Bagley Jr. is in the wings. So let's kick off the show here this week with a little bit of fun. And just remember, anything you do this December, you can go out there, you can do a little good by buying a cup of coffee for somebody, opening a door, you know, giving a smile, maybe a little bit of good cheer. Think of somebody else other than yourself. So let's officially kick off show number 248 for the week of December 8th, 2023. And as I just mentioned, do a little good. I used to think that I was sure of what made people tick. You strip them down right to their core and find a self-centered prick. I thought when the push came to the shove, I knew just what I'd do. I'd put me before you. But you didn't. I guess I didn't. You can be a cynic and a sinner who can only see the flaws. But even if you lost your way, you don't have to stay a lost cause. So can we do a little good? Maybe give a little more. Work a little harder than we did the day before It only takes a little good And some doing what you can Taking every chance to make the choice to be a better man So do a little good Well, I have spent each Christmas day 
obsessed with wrong and right. He thought change could only work one way. It had to happen in one night. But now you know, oh, now you know, the line of good and bad is not so clean. And what we are is something in between. It's an everyday decision. Two steps forward, one step back. But if you try to do what's right, you're on the right track. to the magical musical adventure for the whole family. It's Annie. Then join Bob Hope for an American tradition. I love you. With season's greetings from Donna Mills, Brooke Shields, Crystal Gale, and the Osmond Kids. Don't you love fantasies at Christmas time? Grab Bob Hope's bag full of Christmas cheer. Then it's a holiday celebration as Ed Begley Jr. and Dennis Weaver join Grammy winner Amy Grant heading home for the holidays, a night of Christmas special Sunday. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Diz Radio's Quote of the Week. We are just three weeks away short of Christmas, and we're going to continue our Christmas theme here on the Quote of the Week. Now, the quote I've selected this week comes from the movie It's a Wonderful Life, which is a 1946 American Christmas supernatural drama film produced and directed by Frank Capra. It is based on the short story and booklet The Greatest Gift, self-published by Philip Bendorn Stern in 1943, which in itself is loosely based on the 1843 Charles Dickens novella, A Christmas Carol. The film stars James Stewart as George Bailey, a man who has given up his personal dreams in order to help others in his community and whose thoughts of suicide on Christmas Eve bring about the intervention of his guardian angel, Clarence Oddbody. Clarence shows George all the lives he has touched and what the world would be like if he did not exist. 
Now, theatrically, the film's break-even point was $6.3 million, which is twice the production cost, a figure it did not come close to achieving on its initial release. Because of the film's disappointing sales, Capra was seen by some studios as having lost his ability to produce popular, financially successful films. Although It's a Wonderful Life initially received mixed reviews and was unsuccessful at the box office, it became a Christmas classic after its copyright lapsed in 1974 and fell into public domain, which allowed it to be broadcast without licensing or royalty fees. Now today, It's a Wonderful Life is considered to be one of the greatest films of all time and among the best Christmas films. It was nominated for five Academy Awards, including Best Picture, and has been recognized by the American Film Institute as one of the 100 best American films ever made. It was number 11 on the American Film Institute's 1998 Greatest Movie List, number 20 on its 2007 Greatest Movie List, and number one on its list of the most inspirational American films of all time. Capper revealed that it was his favorite among the films he directed and that he screened it for his family every Christmas season. It was one of Stewart's favorite films. Now in 1990, It's a Wonderful Life was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress for being deemed as culturally historic or aesthetically significant. Now this quote comes from Clarence. Strange, isn't it? Each man's life touches so many other lives. And when he isn't around, he leaves an awful hole, doesn't he? Well, that's all the time I have for this week's Diz Radio's Quote of the Week. I'll be back next week with another inspirational quote. But until then, have a magical day. The sun is shining, the grass is green, the orange and palm trees sway. There's never been such a day In Beverly Hills, L.A. But it's December the 24th And I'm longing to be up north I'm dreaming Of a wild Christmas Just like the one I used to know Where the treetops Glisten And children Listen To hear Sleigh bells In the snow I'm Dreaming Of a wild Christmas card I write May your days be merry and bright And may all your Christmases Don't get your tinsel in a tangle, D-heads! The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. That's why you are listening to Diz Radio's annual Very Merry Christmas Celebration. Now, you listen to me. Even if we're horribly mangled, there'll be no sad faces on Christmas. Here's your host, 
Jonathan Johnson. Hey there, D-Heads. Merry Christmas. I hope you enjoyed the official kickoff for show number 248 for the week of December 8th. 2023 as we have all kinds of fun as we are continuing on with our very merry christmas celebration here at the diz radio show lots of fun things on the horizon and of course as i mentioned we have none other than ed bagley jr stopping in here at the show i am excited for this one so many different classics transylvania 65000 she devil best in show young sheldon uh, he has a new memoir out as well as his earth-friendly products and so much more i'm excited to have ed stopping in here at the show very very soon uh, as we press on here throughout the show this week in addition the d team yes the d team they are my backbone they are the ones that make everything great here at the show they're the ones that bring all these awesome signature segments of the diz radio show back to you every week and we have aaron dominic jeremy cody michael and Frank all stopping in with signature segments, so get ready to hear from all the D-Team as well. So, before I jump into all the festivities, the fun here at Diz Radio, I do want to give you different ways to stay connected here at the show. And first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio.com. There you can find our full list of past shows, the complete podcast archives, our latest news blogs, stay connected with all different things, and more right there on our official website. It is right there as well that you can also find all of our social media links from Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, you name it. You can find all of our social media links right there on the homepage as well. Again, all this can be found at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio. Com. You can also subscribe through any podcast provider and look up Diz Radio or Disney Blue, find our show and hit subscribe and get the latest shows as they get released right there on your device to listen to instantly. You can ask Alexa, you can ask Google, you name it, have them play the show. You can go to iTunes, find us right there on the podcast app right there on your phone and definitely leave us a positive review. It definitely means the world to us if we see those positive reviews from you because after 13 years, you are the reason we keep coming back here at the show. So, D-Heads, we are back. Another week here at the Very Merry Christmas Celebration. Lots of fun things. So I want to jump into something a little bit different here this week. But let's talk about St. Nicholas Day. Now, St. Nicholas Day is something that some of you may not be familiar with because it is not celebrated all around the United States or around the world that most people know. Now, St. Nicholas Day is also called the Feast of St. Nicholas. And this is something that my family and I have just celebrated here this week in the Diz Radio studios. Now, it's usually observed on the evening of the 5th going into the 6th in the morning. And in the evening of the 5th is when St. Nicholas comes and brings things in your stocking. So on the morning of the 6th, you come downstairs, you check your stocking, and there's candies and goodies and gold coins, usually a little trinket or two, like an ornament, um, you know, a little gift, something tiny. Now, this is just a way for Santa to be checking in on you, making sure you're being good throughout the Christmas season. Now, this is something in Western Christian countries, and it is observed in a variety of different places. Now, in the Eastern Christian countries, it's observed on the 19th of December. But the Feast of St. Nicholas is something that we have celebrated in our family since I was a little kid as well, and my parents with their parents. It is something that has been passed down from generation to generation. And it is just proving the fact that St. Nicholas is this wonderful, great, historic, true being. Now, what is the Feast of St. Nicholas? Now, Nicholas of Myra, that's actually his real name. Most people don't realize Santa Claus, St. Nicholas, it is a real person. It's not fictional like people think. Now, Nicholas of Myra, according to the Christian tradition, was born in Asia Minor. 
He is said to have made a pilgrimage to Egypt, studied theology, and passed on different things and became the Bishop of Myra. Now, most people don't realize that he is known for his generosity through a Christian legend in which he gave a poor father money in order to prevent his daughters from being taken into slavery. And that father did not have the funds for his daughter's dowries. It is said that Nicholas of Myra threw the money through the family's window, which landed in their shoes, which they were drying near their fireplace. Now, this continued on, and he gave money and goodies to people in need over the years, hence the birth of St. Nicholas and Santa Claus. Now, Nicholas of Meyer died on December 6th of 346. Yes, the year 346 and December 6th, hence the Feast of St. Nicholas that we have celebrated here this week, here at my house and the DoD 76 studios. Now, this is something that has continued on for years and years, and he became St. Nicholas in 1087. This is one of those historical things that people forget exist. This is the reason why Santa is here giving good things to everybody and St. Nicholas bringing all these goodwill towards other people. And it's just, that is a little bit of the backstory because I don't want to give you too much. It's, it's, it's a fun, fascinating thing. And I would love to talk with all of you Diz Radio fans out there. Uh, you know, all you D-heads, just drop me a message. I'd love to chant St. Nicholas, Santa Claus, Christmas with all of you. It is just it is fantastic. Now, the Feast of St. Nicholas, as I mentioned, isn't necessarily celebrated everywhere. Um, it is celebrated in other countries, things like that. But in the United States, it's really only observed in Wisconsin. Yes, here in Wisconsin, where, you know, Diz Radio is based out of, as well as Indiana, Illinois, Ohio, Fredericksburg, Texas, Newport News, Virginia, Missouri, Pennsylvania, and that's really pretty much it. Um, around the rest of the United States, most people don't celebrate the Feast of St. Nicholas. But around here, it is a big deal. It is huge. You will see banners in stores like Target and Meijer and Costco reminding everybody that St. Nicholas is coming. Be good. St. Nick is coming on the evening of the 5th. So when you wake up on the 6th, you have all those stockings and all those goodies and the candy and all the fun things from St. Nicholas. Now, as I mentioned, people are like, well, isn't St. Nicholas Santa? Yes, St. Nick is Santa, right? It's Santa Claus is just another name, Sinterklaas, and all the other names that they have for him. So this is just his way of peeking in on you, doing that little bit of good deed, getting, you know, if you get coal in your stocking, you got to work a little bit harder in time for Christmas, right? You got to work that little bit of a, uh, it'll work a little bit of your own magic to make sure you get better there as well. So Feast of St. Nicholas this is something different. Maybe this is a tradition you want to start with your family in your area. Maybe this is something that if you believe hard enough and you know it's going to happen, St. Nicholas is going to leave something in your stocking as well. It's not too late to have something magical happen in your life at any age. And that could be St. Nicholas leaving a little bit of candy canes and goodies and maybe a little Christmas ornament in your stocking on the morning of the 6th. So thank you to the one and only Nicholas of Myra for this wonderful day, St. Nicholas, a.k.a. Santa Claus, and of course the Feast of St. Nicholas. So there's a little bit of a history and a backstory for all of you D-heads out there. Something different, something that myself and my children, as you all know, I have four children, uh, we've celebrated the Feast of St. Nicholas every year. And I hope this is a tradition that might be new to you. Definitely look it up and make that magic happen in your area as well. 
Now, if you do celebrate the Feast of St. Nicholas, definitely drop us a line. I'd love to hear about it and hear about what St. Nick has brought to you as well. So, D-Heads, that's a little, a little bit of a history swap here for the holiday season, a little bit of fun, uh, something slightly different here at the show. But soon we're going to release the reins here to the D-Team. we got a lot of fun D-Team stopping in. As I said, they're stopping in with their signature segments, and we have none other than Ed Bagley Jr. stopping in here at the show very soon as well. I am excited to talk to Mr. Bagley. I mean, I've been a fan of his for years and years, and of course him being on Young Sheldon has just solidified his legendary status in film, television, being an author, eco-friendly cleaning products and pet products. I mean, just so many different things that this man has accomplished. So all of you D-heads, with that said, I'm going to press on and let's continue on for show number 278 for the week of December 8th, 2023. And let's continue on with our ho, 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 very Merry Christmas celebration. And why not with the Feast of St. Nicholas? Let's have a little song about that guy. a sled, yes, Theodora picture book, yellow, blue, and red. Hi, this is Tom Kane, the voice of a number of current Disney attractions like Yoda and Jedi Training Academy, Akbar and Star Tours, a number of upcoming rides in the new Star Wars park that I can't talk about yet, and of course, the voice of the monorail. And you're listening to Diz Radio, helping you relive the magic and memories. Well, how's it going, everybody? And welcome to Pop Up, where we talk about all things pop culture and where they may pop up elsewhere in pop culture. Now, for this segment, and of course, it's December. It's Christmas time. We're all, you know, talking about Christmas and Santa and frantically shopping and wrapping presents. But also a big tradition is we're all watching our favorite Christmas movies, whether it be National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation or maybe... Uh, you know, it's a wonderful life. But for me, my all-time favorite Christmas movie is Die Hard. That's right, I said it. Die Hard 
is a Christmas movie. And now there are many out there that say, eh, maybe not so much. But we'll talk about that a little bit later. First, let's talk about how Die Hard has made an impact on pop culture and cinema history itself. First off, did you know that the role of John McClane first had to be offered to Frank Sinatra? Yeah, that is a true story. And if you want to ha find out more about that story, find out a little bit more in depth the stories about and the making of Die Hard, check out the Netflix series, The Movies That Made Us. They have an entire episode devoted just to Die Hard, where they take you back to the location of Nakatomi Plaza, and you hear a lot of really, really cool stories, um, especially about how old Blue Eyes was supposed to be the one that saved us all. Now, Die Hard has also made an impact in countless other properties, all the way from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, The Simpsons, of course, they reference everything, even down to Disney Junior's PJ Pals itself. Die Hard is one of the most quoted films that you see referenced in shows across all platforms. Now, back to the subject at hand. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? I say that it is. Now, this is a great Christmas debate, but I say Die Hard is a Christmas movie. You know, from the multiple references of Christmas, the fact that the movie takes place at an office Christmas party, and the soundtrack is predominantly Christmas music, including old Blue Eyes himself, bringing it right back to old Frank. But, for a definite answer, let's go right to the source. John McClane himself, Bruce Willis. Now please, listen very carefully. Die Hard is not a Christmas movie! Well, I guess that settles it. Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. <laughs> Thank you guys. I will see you next time right here on Pop-Up. This is John. Nice beer. He just wants to spend Christmas with the family. Is Daddy coming home with you? We'll see what Santa and Mommy can do. But when he gets stuck at the office party... Merry Christmas! It'll be a holiday... Merry Christmas! He'll never forget. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Welcome to the party, pal! This Christmas... It's a time of miracles, so be of good cheer. Only John can drive somebody that crazy. Get ready to jingle some bells. And deck the halls. Oh, shit. With bows of... Holy! Bruce Willis. Mount to the coast, we get together, have a few laughs. <laughs> Alan Rickman. Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? Yippee-ki-yay, Together in the greatest Christmas story ever told. I got some bad news for you, Dwayne. <laughs> Hans. Bobby. Eat it, Harvey. Yeah! Holy shit. I'm starting to get a bad feeling up here. Yeah! Merry Christmas. Die Hard. This is their idea of Christmas. I gotta be here for New Year's. <laughs> Wishing you a very Merry Christmas and an even better New Year. You have questions, we have answers. Let's dip our hands into the virtual mailbag and uncover the truth in I Want to Know. Hey D-Heads, this is Aaron and it's time again for another installment of I Want to Know.
Well, so glad to be getting back into the groove again that I got big news in the Carpenter family this weekend. Just want to give a shout out to my son and his football team for winning the 7A Conference State Championship. Congratulations to the 13-0 Fayetteville Bulldogs. What a way to close out your senior season, son. To say I'm proud of you and proud of your team is putting it mildly. Well, you guys have been busy sending in questions, so let's reach into Santa's virtual mailbag and see what questions we have for this week. Our first question is from Randall of St. Paul, Minnesota, and he writes, Been looking for some old Christmas classics and cannot recall the names of them. One is a movie I only recall the song and some plot. There was an elf trying to prove himself and left Santa and made something like suckers or something. They were bad or blew up or something. And there was a song with kids saying, thank you, Santa. I tried to Google, but I get the thank you, Santa from Rankin Bass, and that's not it. Any clue? I was really little when I saw it and was really old when I saw it again. Well, I believe the movie you're referring to is Santa Claus the Movie, starring Dudley Moore. Santa Claus the Movie is a 1985 Christmas film starring Dudley Moore, John Lithgow, and David Huddleston. It depicts the origin of Santa Claus, played by Huddleston, and his modern-day adventure to save one of his elves, Patch, played by Moore, who's been manipulated by an unscrupulous toy company executive, played by the great John Lithgow. I do love this movie also. Now, as I remember, the elf Patch develops a candy cane that he's laced with magic dust that makes the reindeer fly. It also makes people fly, but it turns out it also makes the candy canes explode when they're exposed to extreme heat. This is definitely a fun movie to watch, and if you haven't seen it before, I definitely recommend it. It's available to watch on Amazon Prime Video. Well, our next question this week reads, Diz Radio, glad you're back. Been waiting for this for a long time. Question on a song you played many years ago. It was a Disney song from Christmas time, like getting ready for Christmas or something. What was it? Been trying to find it. Well, this brings back a lot of memories, and I just had to watch the clip again that's available on YouTube. Are You Ready for Christmas with Neil Patrick Harris, the cast of Newsies, and a whole host of Disney and Star Wars characters. It was the opening of the 2013 Disney Parks Christmas Day Parade at Walt Disney World Resort and Disneyland Resort, featuring Neil Patrick Harris with a specially composed opening song. I personally feel it's probably the best opening of the parade ever, and you need to make sure and go back and watch it on YouTube. The, the clip is great, brings back a lot of great memories, and when the I personally think the parade was better. Well, D-Heads, that concludes another installment of I Want to Know. Send all your questions or comments to Santa's Virtual Mailbag at Aaron, E-R-I-N, at DizRadio.com. Make sure to include your name and city so I can give you credit. And remember, D-Heads, laughter is timeless, imagination has no age, and dreams are forever. We'll see you next week, D-Heads, and happy holidays. So, the big day has finally arrived. You know, I wanted to spend Christmas here for a long time, and now that it's finally happening, I just hope I get it right. This is one of my biggest dreams, and I don't want to let you down. When you wish upon a star, your dreams do come true. You would know. Hey. Let's do a show. Cue the music! Well, the time of year is here again To throw a party for a few close friends 
now I'm just tying up a few loose ends And then we should be good to go You know I made a list and checked it twice Because forgetting people isn't nice But I don't really want to roll the dice So I'll recheck it nice and slow Cinderella, check! Bell, check! Snow White, check! Seven Dwarfs, check, 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 check. Are you ready for Christmas? Are you ready for Christmas? Everyone watching at home. Hello. Hey Neil, it's Nick. I'm on my way to Disneyland. Can you keep singing for another two minutes? Can I keep singing for another two minutes? Tell him, Newsy. Extra, extra. Neil Patrick Harris can keep singing for another two minutes. You can feel the magic in the air. You can see it in Rapunzel's hair. And that bunch of villains over there don't. Today. Hi, villains! Hi, Neil! Everybody's gotta lend a hand. Master, your wish is my command. Well, I could really use a marching band to take this number all the way. Marching band! Somebody sounds congested. You don't know the power of the dark side. Oh, Darth, you need to turn that dark side into a Disney side. Two hours, homie. Are you 
Christmas Town is to create this event like no other in the country. Families of all ages are able to come and create that Christmas tradition. Bush Garden certainly has become a new tradition with Christmas Town for families and just starting out families. So how wonderful an opportunity to be a lot of families' first Christmas tradition. We've been coming to Christmas Town about three years now and it has become a tradition. I have two boys and now they're seven and four. This is the first year I've taken my four-year-old so he's enjoying running around the park and seeing the lights, but normally it's me and my oldest son. My son really loves coming here. Last year I made the mistake of telling him about going to Christmas Town about a week before we went. And so every morning it was wake up, is today the day? No, today's not the day. So I didn't tell him until after we were up, had breakfast, then I was excited and ready to go because we were could actually go today. For my first time going to Hello, I'm Dominic, and for several years I've had trip planning and Disney Plus segments here on Diz Radio. Now I'm back with a new segment covering the history of the current attractions in Walt Disney World. I'm going to start the Magic Kingdom and pick a land to discuss a different attraction each week from what I believe to be the worst to the best that that land has to offer. And last week we finished our truncated history and ranking of Tomorrowland, and this week we should be off to another land at Walt Disney World to start anew. However, as I record this, it is the Christmas season for which Target starts in September. But Jonathan asked the D-Team to try to tie in Christmas to our segments, and also, since it came out last week, that I've been passively avoiding the parks and taking my money elsewhere, maybe I could speak on that too. And indeed I can, because back in December of 2016, we tricked our kids, and instead of driving home from Grandma's in Pittsburgh, we drove to Florida instead and spent three days in Walt Disney World. Go back far enough in the Diz Radio archives or visit WDW Plantoons on YouTube, and you will hear all about that trip, and also how we managed to avoid waiting in Megalines during the busiest times of year. I had grown up going to Disney a lot. We had been there for Christmas time before, and it was a zoo. And as a family, we expected this to be an atmospheric trip, one where we would admire the decorations, maybe enjoy some novelty holiday food, and stroll around, but we did not plan to do many attractions because of the crowds, and we were pleasantly surprised when we could. The impetus of the trip was really going to see the candlelight processional over in Epcot. That was the main centerpiece for us. And there was a few things that this trip taught us. First was that as semi-regulars, we were not pressured to do everything. As I stated earlier, the expectations was just to take in the mood versus a rope drop to the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, which I think we did anyway. Also, the short three-day trip length did not change our enjoyment versus our typical seven to ten-day trips. Because of the special events like the candlelight processional at Epcot, the decorations in Cinderella's Husband's Castle that actually made my wife cry, and the hotel decorations, Disney Springs trees, this ultra-truncated trip is still probably my favorite. So here's another lesson that isn't great for Disney. Being out and about with the family in a Christmas-themed land was what was fun about the trip, not necessarily where we were. We have family in Virginia, and we all converge onto Busch Gardens in Williamsburg the following Christmas. This was 2017, and every inch of that beautifully landscaped park was decorated. Busch Gardens, now a SeaWorld park, wasn't allowed to compete with its neighbor, the quasi-historic Colonial Williamsburg and how that place suckers people from Philadelphia with Independence Hall, the Constitution Center, the Liberty Bell, the First Zoo, the First Post Office, Benjamin Franklin and Betsy Ross's house, and Valley Freakin' Forge to drive four hours to watch cosplaying colonials 50 miles away from the capital of the Confederacy is beyond me. Anyway, Bush Gardens picked an old world European theme instead. And to me, Bush Gardens is what would happen if you took Epcot's World Showcase and made it fun. The overall park theming isn't as Imagineering perfect as what you'd see at the World Showcase, but there is far more to do at each quote-unquote country. And Busch Gardens isn't quite a thrill park like a Six Flags where they are marketing the biggest this or the fastest that or the next vomit maker trying for an inversion record. I find those parks to be more like an upscale carnival and the rides actually not very fun. 
they're more something you endure. But most of the roller coasters at Busch Gardens aren't trying to be lame tame. The unthemed Pantheon is the fraternal twin sister of Universal's Velocicoaster. But I think they are trying to be fun. And the coaster collection is really great. There is a good to great version of just about every major coaster style and water attraction. And traction theming varies from immersive like Verboten's Q, the car, the Black Forest show building and drop, or Escape from Pompeii's wonderful dark ride through a flaming archaeological site eruption to the barely themed like Apollo's Chariot, which is a fantastic roller coaster, but the only thing making it Apollo's Chariot is the logo that says Apollo's Chariot. But if Universal Studios can somehow convince you that a Jop Tower has anything to do with Doctor Doom or somehow their super coaster is Hulk because it's painted green, Busch Gardens is in pretty good company. As for Christmas, their lineup is hard to beat for the holidays. Specialty food and outstanding shows like Christmas Carol's Scrooge No More, holiday overlays to their Irish dancing show, which is fantastic, Gloria, a first Christmas show, dining in Germany, which is called Up on the House Top, Elmo's Christmas Witch, they've licensed the Rudolph and the Abominable Snowman, from the stop animation films and Santa's there, his evil doppelganger Father Christmas is around, there's carolers and musicians everywhere, there's a lighted train ride and sky rides, and the place is just far enough south that many of their rides are up and running even in December. None of it is behind a paywall, and this is where we soured on Disney. We were having just as much fun at Busch Gardens as we did the previous year at Disney. Tickets per day for Disney are up $40 more, or $200 more for the five of us, since that trip in 2017. Fast passes at the time were free, and now it could be 35 bucks each, which is $175 for the five of us. If you actually want a semi, be guaranteed to get onto the new stuff at Lightning Lane for another $175. So a day at Disney, before hotel, before food, before parking, before a very Merry Christmas anything add-on, now costs $550 more than it used to. Busch Gardens Black Friday sale costs about that for annual passes for the entire year for the entire family. And those annual passes also included enough free tickets for guests that we only needed four passes to cover the five of us since our oldest is in college and won't go as often. When was the last time you've heard the word free or even the word included in reference to Walt Disney World? Is Busch Gardens at the level of Walt Disney World? No. But the value that I once saw in a Disney vacation is alive and well in Virginia. A year of Busch Gardens, which is a solid B to B+, for the price of less than one day at Disney World's A-, minus, is a no-brainer. Not to mention that it is far closer, so we can go far more often, creating more memories and just having a much less stressful, great theme park time. And now it makes me wonder who Disney World is for. I went to that place my entire life. I saw Epcot open. That's how far back I can go. I created a YouTube channel of snarky animated travel tips, and I have no desire right now to open my wallet to them. Maybe the target demographic is those people who take that once-in-a-lifetime trip to Hawaii, but saves up and takes that once-in-a-lifetime trip to Disney and dumps 5, 10, 30 grand on every nickel and dime add-on that used to be included. Well, I've been there before, so I guess I'll keep the cash. Find that local theme park that does the holidays well, take your family there, and use the money you saved not going to Walt Disney World. Spend it on presents. Or a car. Seriously, my kid's car costs a fraction of what I priced a Disney trip at today. And it goes faster than the ones at Test Track. But enough of that. This is not a rant channel. Tune in next week when we head to a new land and rank and review rides and talk about some of the history of the attractions at Walt Disney World. I do have an official Diz Radio email, so I'd love to hear from you with a hi or some questions or suggestions. And that is at Dominic at DizRadio.com. That's spelled D-O-M-E-N-I-C. I'm also on YouTube by searching WDW Plantoons. And if you're really into 90s syndicated professional wrestling, check out the Saturday Morning Superstars podcast. I am on there as well. So folks, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. 
Add these other delightful Christmas videos to your collection or give a special Disney gift. There's full-length movies, One Magic Christmas, and the musical classic Babes in Toyland. Festive cartoon collections, a Walt Disney Christmas, a Disney Christmas gift, and Jiminy Cricket's Christmas. Christmas mini classics, The Small One, and Mickey's Christmas Carol. The exciting Toy Factory adventure, Where the Toys Come From, and the popular sing-along, Very Merry Christmas Songs. It's holiday magic from Disney. Lights, camera, action. It's time for this week's Diz Radio special guest. All right, all of you Diz Radio fans out there, you tuned in for another installment here at Diz Radio. And with us here this week is somebody you know. He is an actor for decades and decades. You know him as his breakout role in St. Elsewhere. He was in Best in Show, Transylvania, 65,000. You know him from Batman Forever, She-Devil, recently on Young Sheldon. He also has his brand new memoir book out there, To the Temple of Tranquility, and step on it, as well as Begley's Earth Responsible Products, and so much more. We have none other than Ed Begley Jr. here with us. Welcome to Diz Radio. Jonathan, it's great to be with you. It is our pleasure having you on. I mean, your resume has always been impressive. All the stuff you've been part of. I mean, so many different things from St. Elsewhere all the way through Young Sheldon, which is a, a knockout, breakout hit. But let's get into your memoir. I mean, that is something where it's genuine, it's honest, it's down home. It's very easy to read, and you have so many things that you touch base on in there from Monty Python, Jack Nicholson. I mean, so many talking points. I guess first, what started you into wanting to sit down and finally tackle a memoir? It started innocently enough. I'm probably not the first person in America whose son or daughter came up and said, I want you to record on my smartphone, Dad. I'm running right now. I'm rolling. Talk about the when you were a kid growing up with your dad and talk about that story with Marlon Brando and talk about that story where you smoked a joint with those people up at the Spawn Ranch. Give, give me some of those stories, Dad. I'm recording right now. Go ahead. You know, she just wanted to preserve it for her brother and sister and, you know, for my grandkids, I suppose, too. And then, but she had ignited this flame. And pretty soon when she was gone with her smartphone, I was alone in my office. and went, I'm going to take some notes for my daughter to supplement what she just recorded. And Jonathan, that's when it happened. My keyboard became like a Ouija board that actually worked. Where suddenly I'm taken this way and that way. I'm being pulled in this direction. I didn't think I was headed. And I realized how lucky I am to have been this character. Like, remember the movie Zelig, a movie Woody Allen did called Zelig years ago, where this guy winds up at all these places he didn't expect to be, no one expects him to be. Or like Forrest Gump or Chauncey Gardner, you know, these different characters in movies march through these historic events. That's pretty much the way I found myself being there with the Beatles and with this one and that throughout the 60s and 70s and 80s and beyond at all these incredible events. How the hell did I get there? I certainly have no idea. <laughs> well, you know, and it's that kind of thing where when you're reading the memoir, it's it's literally like you're just sitting down, listening to great stories by a fireside, just chatting. Is that the kind of feel you want to go with? Very much so. And the key ingredient I didn't have growing up, I didn't have till about 1979, when I finally, you know, got sober, I didn't have a lot of gratitude. Jonathan, I won the lottery by being born Ed Begley's son, and I had no idea. I didn't even buy a ticket, but I definitely won the lottery because my dad was very successful in a line of work that I wanted to do myself. And so, uh, but to be honest, I think if my dad had been a plumber, I'd be fitting pipe now. I just wanted to do what my father did, and that turned out to be acting. And here I am at age 74 and still doing it. 
how lucky am I? Definitely, you know, and going strong at it. And you know, and in your in your memoirs here, you you know, you talk about a lot of the people that you've worked with over the years. You know, everything from you know asking Jack Nicholson to 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 get a job, you know, and be on set, and you know, he wanted to you know wanted more out of you, and you know you know expand those acting chops, and of course, even Jeff Goldblum getting held up at gunpoint. Uh, you know, that's that's a fun chapter right there, I guess. With a lot of these stories, when you were explaining them over the time, did you just kind of, does it bring back that moment in time for you when you were putting them down on paper? Very much so. And that's where the keyboard became like a Ouija board. Some of these stories I hadn't told in decades or had forgotten entirely. And one hallway of my mind led to another hallway and another, and a door blew open from the change in pressure of opening that first door and then this door and that. And it was just fun to recount and put this stuff down. The one key takeaway, though, for me was, I don't know why the hell Jeff Goldblum and many other friends are still speaking to me after what I've been through over the years with all the misfortune I dragged Jeff through, but he's still my pal and I talk to him regularly and how lucky am I to have friends like that? Definitely. Now, with with your memoirs too, there's a lot of stuff that you talk about, like you said, even getting sober. And that seems to be something that everybody, you know, not everybody, but a lot of people battle with addiction. And, you know, you mentioned uh, Billy Boyle in there who's specifically, you know, influential in helping you get sober. What was it like with that final realization where you're like, I need to make that change and make that turn and be a better person for myself, my family, my friends, everything? So many people who I love dearly to this day, some are still with us, some are not, people who helped me and were very kind to me in my attempt to get sober, I value them greatly. But another, there's another category of person in my life, the Billy Boyle kind of guys who were just fed up with me, over me, and gave me what I guess they call now tough love. They didn't know what to call it back then years ago, but it certainly worked. He said, you know, you're, you're never going to get sober, are you? I said, what a terrible thing to say, Billy. I come in here, I've been in and out. Yeah, he said, you've been in and out four times. You're never going to get sober. I said, why is that? He said, because don't you live in Hancock Park in a nice apartment now? I said, I do. You got a job over at Universal? Yeah, I said, I'm doing Battlestar Galactica. You got your wife, Gretchen? I said, her name's Ingrid, but yeah, I'm married. You got a kid? I said, I got two kids. Billy, what's your point? He said, the point is, you're screwed. Why is that? Why is that? I said, those sounds like good things to me. He said, no, because you haven't lost anything. You will lose it all with drugs and alcohol. So stay in that path if you want. But this is the way it's going to go. The next time you will call me before you drink, not after. And that was a key change in my life. I realized one day when I called up this guy, Billy Boyle, before I took a drink, that I really didn't want to take that drink. I would have, or I would have taken it before I called him. It was all very simple and methodical, and that he was one of those old school guys that literally saved my life. Well, you know, and those are the people where, you know, now here you are all these years later, and it's been fruitful then because he was there for you in those moments. Now, going through the memoirs, like I said, it's a very easy read. It's a nice, simple, you know, page through it, hearing these stories. Are there any stories in there that were your absolute favorite that brought you back the most and you're just like wow i haven't thought about that in years more than any of them and you had kind of had to take a step back for a moment and like you just needed the rest of the evening to process that revisiting the kindness of this wonderful actor named bruno kirby who's one of my best friends in my entire life that brought me great joy revisiting the kindness of my sister i have a sister 11 months older than me and i talk to her very quite regularly you know nearly every day that that really was a big discovery of how deeply I love my sister. And this wonderful woman, Jeanette Pierre, that was hired to take care of my sister and I, because my dad was off working as an actor and our mother had passed away. The woman I thought was our mother had passed away. This woman, Jeanette Pierre, had lived in Alsace-Lorraine. 
She was part of the French resistance. So was her brother hidden in the floorboards of, the, of their home there. And her life inspired me so greatly and took me away from the possible past of hate and revenge and in another direction because she had seen where hate, revenge, and the destructive language can take us. She had seen it there in Germany years ago in the French-German border, and she knew where it led. So that's something that I think is very powerful to this day. Well, you know, and those are the moments too then, like you said, where you, it brought you back and made you appreciate a lot more things, appreciate your own sister and all these elements throughout your life. And I think these are things that all of the people who are going to pick up this book, as I mentioned, you know, it's going to be an easy read and they're going to be able to just feel connected to you. And like I said, to the Temple of Tranquility and step on it. It's definitely one of those reads where... Like I said, it is, it, I felt like you're just sitting there and listening to the stories. You're just listening to a nice conversation and kind of getting that insight into your life. Now, moving away from the memoirs, which, of course, everybody can get. We'll circle back to that as well, where they can get it and items like that. Uh, let's move on to your Bagley's Earth Responsible Products. I mean, those are, you know, appearing at Walmart, Costco, a variety of places. Would you like to let everyone know a little bit more about what you're doing there? Because we all know that you're all about the environment and renewable energy and all these things. And now this is just another step in that direction. Well, I started on that path with the cleaning products back in 1970. Just very simply, I wanted to stay away from, you know, like Windex or Formula 409 or some harsh cleanser like that or Comet. And I started using vinegar and water and baking soda. Now, those things clean okay, but they don't clean the way I wanted them to. So years later, you know, I discovered this wonderful company, Lab Clean, that makes cleaning products that are quite aggressive, clean very well, and they're entirely non-toxic. So I align myself with them, and now you can have the best of both worlds. It does more than vinegar and water or baking soda, but it, it you know, is at a good price point, and it really is 100% non-toxic because you've got kids crawling on the floor in many households. You've got pets crawling on the floor, putting their paws in their mouth, and you don't want to have anything toxic on that floor as a floor cleaner. You don't want to use a pet shampoo that's going to, have some toxic elements that are going to cause them to have a rash or worse. So that was my pursuit to have non-toxic products at a good price point, And we've been very successful with that as well. Well, right. And as I mentioned, it's, you know, it's already Walmart, uh, you know, Costco, select stores. It's going to be in all Costco's at some point here too. And with this too, a portion of the proceeds all go to something as well, correct? Yeah, I have the Begley Family Foundation that gives generously to different uh, environmental nonprofits and other nonprofits that feed people in downtown LA and Skid Row and other things like that. We try to be very universal in our giving to help people, pets, and the environment. So, you know, with this too, like you said, with the environment, giving, things like that, uh, you know, so many different elements. And of course, you know, decades of television and movies that have been passed down to generations. I guess, what is, how does it feel now, knowing all these years later, that many of the projects you've been part of have just continued to be passed on from parents to children to their children. And they're watching stuff you've been in, as well as newer generations, like being in Young Sheldon, where it's this hit show that, you know, families are watching together. How does it feel looking back and just realizing how blessed you are that you've touched so many people's lives? You know, again, it's gratitude that just fills my heart and my soul to be on this show with that wonderful kid, Ian, who's so talented to play Sheldon. He's amazing. And Steve Malaro, the showrunner, writes those great scripts and produces the show it's just an extraordinary experience annie potts how great is she my old friend wendy malik we've teamed together a lot my dear an old friend wallace sean as well so it's this gift from heaven to be on that show and all the shows i've had over the years from that first job in room 222 
years ago, and even before that, on a show called My Three Sons, when I was quite young, I was 17 years old when I had my first day in Screen Actors Guild on a set. So that has great memories for me because I still see the actor that I was in that scene with named Stanley Livingston. He played one of the sons, and he's still part of my life and part of, you know, a Hollywood tradition that has been around for, gosh, since the uh, early 1900s. People came here because of the weather and the sunshine, you know, the, the sunshine and the relative lack of rain to film nearly around it. It's just so, it's been a wonderful thing to be part of that film history over these years. Well, you know, and like I mentioned, you know, it is one of those where it's it's passed on to generations. Now, we don't want to keep you too long because you're always, you know, we know you're busy as well. But, you know, circling back to your memoirs, like I mentioned, so many different things you talk about. I mean, even sitting there and, you know, smoking weed with the, with the Mansons, things like that. It's just so many different crazy stories. Monty Python, so many different things. But one of those that you've also been an advocate for and how things, if you catch it early on and take care of it, of course, is in 2016 getting diagnosed with Parkinson's. Um, what's it like knowing like, hey, here I am. This is what I have. What can I do to prevent it or help it or things like that? How, how has that taken a shift for you? There's surely no good time to get Parkinson's, but this, I think, right now is a less bad time to get it. I'll categorize it, categorize it in that way. I've had it since 2004, but my lifestyle was such I was eating so good and still continue to do that to this day, exercising vigorously every day. So my body just kind of kept it at bay from any of the noticeable effects till 2016 when someone finally noticed it. And so not only do I take the the neurologist AMA prescribed medicines, which work very well. In addition, I exercise every day. I've been to the gym already today. I had, take vigorous bike rides and walks every day. I eat very good every day. Always have my whole life since 1970 and the first Earth Day. So all of that helps. And you add to that some things my wife found. She found a place that has something called glutathione that helps people have neurological damage, something called NAD. NAD can help a lot for people who have neurological challenges. Also stem cells, also hyperbaric chamber, oxygen-rich hyperbaric chamber treatments. All that stuff has helped me, and hopefully it will help others that might want to try such alternative medicines. But also doing what the neurologist says, I think there's a great deal of value in the AMA prescribed medicines that I'm taking. Definitely. you know, And like you said, it's one of those where having that healthy lifestyle like you've always had had really helped keep things at bay and then now being proactive in it as well. Now, I guess, um, you know, in closing here too, you know, going through the memoirs, the book, the biggest thing, of course, is finding that love of your life. And, you know, I will say it was very touching reading, how, talking about, you know, finding that person, your other half, that, that person that's going to be there for you. Um, I guess, what was it like writing that and uh, uh i guess how did your better half uh, receive that when she read such nice things that you wrote about her you're not going to believe this but it happens to be true jonathan she hasn't read it yet i think she's waiting to find the time to listen to it on audio but she has not read it i she's heard from her friends how laudatory and how loving it is so i guess she's gotten that memo but uh i got to talk into reading maybe this radio show will be the catalyst that finally makes her read it jonathan i hope so i certainly wrote it with love and, uh, you know, uh, lightning has struck twice. I had a wonderful wife with my first wife, Ingrid, who sadly passed away in 2006. She was a great wife. I was not so great of a husband the first time out. Second time, I got to be a better husband, and I got to have love again in the form of Rochelle Carson, who I've been with since 1993. And so we're having a good run of it. Hollywood to be together that long is certainly a gift. 
Definitely. Well, it was our pleasure having you stop in, talk about a variety of different things. Everybody can go to Walmart, Costco, find Bagley's Earth Responsible Products, and of course, your memoirs to the Temple of Tranquility and Step on It. Um, you can purchase it anywhere where you know books are sold, items like that. Um, it was our pleasure having you stop in, and I foresee you, you know, even going even longer, more hits more things and of course seeing you more on yelling sheldon and a variety of other places so it was our pleasure having you stop in thanks so much jonathan Radio station. That's why you are listening to Diz Radio's annual Very Merry Christmas celebration. season of Santa, there are two kinds of people. The naughty and the nice. I've got 50 bucks for the first elf that brings me Santa Claus. 
Hulk Hogan is Blake Thorne, and he's definitely naughty. To make his getaway, he's going to make a mockery of the world's most beloved hero. Do you have a minute? Fox me, a little brat. That's him. But sometimes, the only way you can feel the spirit of Christmas... Where'd he go? ...is to be hit over the head with it. Santa! What? It's showtime. Now, this confused bad boy is... Well, hello again, everybody. It's Cody here, getting ready to bring you this week's movie pick. It's great to be back, so why don't we just dive right in. We are in December. It's finally getting time to be Christmas, and I hope it looks more like Christmas where you're at, because up here in Wisconsin, we still have green grass and dead leaves all over the place. It's really kind of depressing right now, but we are going to be getting up there. We're going to get some white snow up here, and it's going to be just a jolly holiday. Hope you enjoyed listening to Ed Begley Jr. and Jonathan earlier. Sticking with our guest this week, I figured we would go with a lesser-known Christmas movie from 1996 called Santa with Muscles, starring Hulk Hogan and Ed Begley Jr. You can find the movie on Tubi, so it's a completely free app. All you have to do is sit through a few harmless ads. Small price to pay. Just to give you a little idea of what this movie is about, Hulk Hogan is a millionaire who's made his money by selling bodybuilding supplements, and he kind of throws caution to the wind. He thinks he's above the law. Well, after having a little too much fun, he gets chased by police. In an unfortunate accident in this chase with police, he ends up hitting his head, which leaves him with a case of amnesia. Wakes up not knowing who he is. However, during his struggles with the police, he ended up putting on a Santa costume, so he starts to believe he is, in fact, Santa Claus. Throughout the movie, it takes him on an adventure to try and stop the evil scientist Ebner Frost, who is played by Egg Begley Jr., who's trying to take over an orphanage in order to gain access to the magical crystals underneath. As you're watching the movie, you may recognize some familiar faces, and that would be because this movie also has Don Stark, who, if you grew up watching that 70s show, he plays Bob, Donna's dad from that 70s show. It also stars a young Mila Kunis, also Clint Howard, Brenda Song, Ed Leslie, and William Newman. So it's kind of neat to see some of these younger stars that we grew up with. And it's kind of funny that Mila Kunis would be in this movie with Don Stark since both of them would end up playing in that 70s show together. So it's it's one of those hidden gems within this movie. I really encourage you to download the Tubi app if you haven't already. Find this, Santa with Muscles, 1996, Hulk Hogan, Ed Begley Jr. And give it a shot. And I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. I know I was. It was a great movie. With that, I'm going to leave you. And we are going to see you next week. Take care, everyone. Walking onto the set of The Philosopher's Stone was a dream come true for Daniel, Emma and Rupert. Hogwarts was basically their playground. The film itself might deal with some serious issues, like a two-faced professor looking for the demise of one of his students, but for the most part, the behind the scenes was full of laughs, pranks and adorable on-set crushes. Though there was one professor the actors were petrified of off-camera. Ready to find out who? My name is Gareth Holmes, I work for the RSPCA. If Hogwarts was their playground, the rest of the children in the cast were the Golden Trio's classmates, which, as you can imagine, led to a lot of on-set chaos. It was near impossible to get them all focused at the same time. 
Director Chris Columbus says they were constantly laughing and fooling around in between takes, and sometimes even during takes. Look how adorable they all were. It might have taken some extra effort from the adults on set, but on the bright side, it led to impeccable on-screen chemistry. The audition process for Daniel, Emma and Rupert couldn't be any more different. For Daniel, it was just another day at the theatre with his parents when producer David Heyman, who had already had his eye on Daniel for the role, convinced him to just come in for an audition. We'd sign up for the entire series and uh, it was all to be filmed in America. But Daniel's parents weren't really up for relocating their 11-year-old son. Luckily, they ended up filming in the UK and it all worked out. Emma attended a drama class for her audition. Basically, um, my school got um, an invitation. After she was hand-selected from her classmates, she went on to audition eight more times before she secured her spot. Rupert's audition is probably the most wild story we've heard so far. He heard about the open call auditions and sent in a video of himself, dressed as his drama teacher while performing a rap. Then I made my own script thing up and sent it off. It may have landed him an in-person audition, but it didn't save him from embarrassment. Message for you, sir. From days long ago, from uncharted regions of the universe, comes a legend. The dream that came through a million years, that lived on through all the tears. Hey, listen. Will you stop this foolishness? What foolishness would you like to see? Here he is, your Spider-Pan, Jeremy. Hello again, D-Heads. That's right, Jeremy, your Spider-Pan is back again. And remember last week I was talking about movies that, or sometimes maybe, maybe there's a TV show, but mainly movies that you watch that give you that Christmas feeling, whether or not the movie itself has anything to do with Christmas. And one of the reasons might be because of the time that the film releases. Well, the movie I want to talk about this week, you know, it has a release date that was, you know, it was released for the holiday season, but uh, there's something else that gives it that feel. And a lot of what gives it that feel would be an instrument called a chaleste. Uh, I see it spelled with an A at the end. I've seen it spelled with an E at the end. It looks like Celeste, but you pronounce it Celeste. That's actually something I've learned on another podcast from a musician. But this would be a, it's a keyboard instrument, but when you play it, it sounds a little like a bell. And it's actually pretty famous for being used in the dance of the sugar plum fairy from the Nutcracker. Uh, so if you kind of imagine that dee dee ding 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 you might get what we're feeling. And that's maybe why this instrument is so Christmassy feeling. Uh, you'll hear a lot of this instrumentation even, uh, I believe, in Home Alone. Uh, but the film I'm talking about is Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, as we hear this instrument used in John Williams' score, frequently on Hedwig's theme. And so it gives it this, I don't know, to me, an ethereal sort of Christmassy tone whenever I hear that instrument. So, of course, now the film itself did release November 16th, 2001, here in the United States with, of course, a different name. Of course, the book had a different name, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Back in England, it would have been the Philosopher's Stone. Now, those of you who might be familiar with uh, the concepts of alchemy from Europe and everything would know the Philosopher's Stone is actually what it was with Nicholas Flamel that he had created, and it was supposed to be able to turn lead into gold, and you could make an elixir that would give you immortality, and alchemists throughout, throughout history were trying to discover the perfect thing. You know, they're trying to get the Philosopher's Stone uh, to actually would, would do this. And no one ever did, but of course, by legend, Nicholas Flamel uh, was able to accomplish this. There's an entire history, and the concept of a philosopher's stone was even used. If you ever watched Full Metal Alchemist, it was an anime and a manga. Uh, that was one of the, the first ones that I actually got into myself. Uh, dealt a lot with the philosopher's stone, so I think if they gave a little bit more credit to American audiences, we might have known what the philosopher's stone was. But in the United States, philosophy is more of a different thing, and we don't think of it as being 
magical as we would a sorcerer. So the book was changed here in title and, of course, to the first film. Uh, they actually have two versions of the film, the Sorcerer's Stone, and then the UK, you can still see it as the Philosopher's Stone, which I'd actually like to see it with the Philosopher's Stone because I understand a Philosopher's Stone, what that is, and all it's supposed to do and all the alchemical properties or whatever it was supposed to have. And uh, History of Alchemy is actually quite interesting with... Uh, it was supposed to have been a science, but we get a lot of our modern chemistry from some of the discoveries we made from people, the alchemists who were looking for this way to turn lead to gold. But anyways, a little bit of the story of me seeing this film. I had not read any of the books or even really heard of the books, except for I think maybe I'd seen a display. I used to work in a, uh, a mall, the Metro North Mall here in the Kansas City area, in the Kansas City Northland. And I think in the bookstore, they used to go and I'd buy my comics when I was would work at... Uh, Let's see, I was working maybe in Montgomery Ward at the time, or I also worked at a toy store for a while in there, like KB Toys. But I think I remember going in uh, to the bookstore, and they did have a display for, like, the second or third book or something, and I, was, I wasn't familiar with it, though. I was like, yeah, but it had a pretty big display. Didn't realize it was a very popular book series. I wasn't familiar with it. Uh, so then this movie comes out. I read reviews, and the one critic was comparing it to Star Wars and how the characters are really ripped from Star Wars. But when you get into it, the... Uh, well, the hero's journey and a lot of the, the character types, you do, you you get that re repeatedly throughout a lot of uh, great stories. So, I mean, it's not really a new thing. Everybody kind of borrows from something. But really, if you look, you know, when watching the movie, I really, Ron and Hermione was, I was like, yeah, that's Han and Leia right there. Uh, with Harry clearly being Luke Skywalker. And basically for your Chewbacca kind of character, you got Hagrid, you know, big hairy guy. He doesn't seem as smart as he is, but he's smarter than you give him credit for. Uh, so... That's kind of Chewbacca. He doesn't seem like he's as smart as he is, but he's smarter than you would give him credit for when upon first meeting the big hairy guy, right? So the, the characters really were pulled very similar to Star Wars. And uh, when I went to go see the movie, I actually had a free pass to it. So I thought, well, I don't know what this is, but I've been seeing the ads and this is kind of apparently a big thing. So let me go and watch it. And uh, I, I, I instantly I was getting seeing the comparisons to Star Wars and everything. And I kind of dozed off just a little bit there uh, at one point of the movie. Uh, so I was like, yeah, this is not that great a thing. And, it, you know, it was like, it was okay. Um, but seeing it around, you know, Christmas time, I did see it around the opening weekend, around November 16th, uh, or probably a little bit later. Uh, so I did see it as a Christmas, uh, film. And of course there's a big scene there during Christmas time that happens. Uh, so I really didn't get brought into it. And of course, you know, if you're a church going person, you probably had a lot of the people who were like, oh, it's all magic and we don't know where their magic comes from. And without that explanation, it could be something bad. Well, when you get into the books, there's really a difference between like fairy tale magic and people drawing circles and summoning spirits. So, now, drawing circles and summoning spirits is legit real world sorcery or witchcraft and that stuff you need to keep away from. Trust me, you keep away from that. I you know, We had an incident at my church actually when I was a teenager where people were messing around with stuff like that and Ouija boards and actually summoned a demon into the place. So yeah, there's some seriously supernatural stuff and don't play with it. Anyway, side note, uh, but when you get into the Harry Potter books, you know, there's not really an explanation, but it just feels like fairy tale magic that just kind of happens. Uh, unlike Gandalf or Gandalf, however you want to say it, in The Lord of the Rings, you find out he is more of in a divine nature and it's kind of almost like an angel in, in flesh. And so his power comes from a divine creator, uh, which, you know, of course, Christians don't really have a problem with that. But, you know, you had that whole thing going on. But me, my thing was like, well, this is popular. and It's really not that good. And even my buddy Philip had had like, a person who was into Wicca or whatever, you know, so after Philip had seen the movie, he says, well, now you know what it's like for us. And my buddy Philip looked at him, oh, I'm sorry, are you chased by three-headed dogs? Uh, so <laughs> there was, we were kind of like, yeah, I don't know what the big deal is. But I got curious by the time the fourth movie was coming out. The trailer looked really good. So I went ahead and got the audiobook of the third book, The Prisoner of Azkaban, and enjoyed it for us like oh this is actually a really good kind of mystery story so i was curious enough to go through and start actually watch the movies at that point because i kind of wanted to see the the fourth one because i wanted to see their dragon the dragon looked really good and so i got into the series at that point but like like i've been saying that first movie because you know headwood's theme being played on a celeste which is a very ethereal christmasy sounding instrument in my opinion probably because of its use in the nutcracker 
Uh, and then, of course, seeing the film around Christmas time has been a bit kind of a Christmassy feeling movie for me. Uh, at least the first one, maybe the second one. Uh, beyond that point, it really, it, without Christopher Columbus's direction on it, it you know, and slowly John Williams' score was kind of phased out. The rest of the movies didn't really have that same feel of that first one, where it just I associate it uh, with a Christmas time feeling. So that's what I've got for you this week. Hey, don't forget, of course, to find us at Neverland Podcast Pod. If I can say it right, NeverlandPodcast.com. Or if you go to Looking for us, it's a Fandom Nexus is where you can find our podcast. I've got lots of fun things coming up, and if everything goes right, we're going to be talking about some Christmas movies that stuff you maybe wouldn't think about. So come and check it out, and you know what? I need to figure out, I think I do have a Diz Radio email. Uh, I need to remember what that is, and I'll give you that, so maybe you can share uh, some movies that you get at Christmas feeling. They're maybe a little bit unusual or stuff like that. Or at least send an email to Jonathan. I'm sure he'll let me know. So hey, Jonathan, uh, when you're hearing this, if somebody sends an email, let me know, because I don't remember what my email address is. He's probably going to have to remind me. But anyways, that's all I've got for you this week. So we'll see you next time on Diz Radio and hopefully see you over at the Fandom Nexus. Oh, and hey, real quick, I just looked it up and it turns out my email address is spiderpan at disradio.com. And I think I've got Outlook set up to where I should receive those emails. So go ahead and shoot me an email. Tell me some movies that make you think of Christmas. Wouldn't it be great if you could get everybody's Christmas gift at the same place? Maybe you can. I'll let you in on a little secret. The Holiday Gift Center at Blockbuster. After all, everybody has a favorite movie. And who has more favorites than Blockbuster? Besides having more movies to rent, they also have more movies to give. Plus, they have all kinds of video games for the kids. So take care of everybody on your list. Make it a blockbuster holiday. Taking you on a journey from your lifetime of memories. It's Diz Radio. And back to your host, Jonathan Johnson. All right, D-Heads, I am back. I hope you enjoyed this week's show. It has been fun once again. Celebrating Christmas, having that blast, making things just fun and lighthearted, whether you're celebrating Hanukkah, which kicks off here this weekend, Christmas, Kwanzaa, you name it. I hope you enjoyed this week's show and just had a fun blast, just like all of us here do. And I want to extend a very special thank you once again to the iconic Ed Bagley Jr. for stopping in here this week and taking the time out of his schedule to talk about his memoirs, his history, his legacy. And he has been part of so many different projects that I've even passed down to my children. I mean, my kids enjoy young Sheldon as well. So he just continues to entertain. So thank you, Ed, for taking that time, stopping in. And I encourage everybody to pick up his book and also his earth-friendly products that is in Walmarts and Costco's so you can go and, you know, do something better for the environment. I'd also like to thank the D-team of Aaron, Dominic, Jeremy, Cody, Michael, and Frank all stopping in here with their signature segments. Without them, as I've said for years and years, you'd have to listen to me ramble week in and week out, and that would get old pretty fast. So thank you, D-Team, for stopping in, and definitely connect up with the D-Team on our official website and all the other places. They would love to hear from you and connect up with all of you D-Heads. And most of all, yes, the most important, thank you, the D-Heads. You are the reason we've been coming back at you for 13 years. You're the reason we are here with our very Merry Christmas celebration. You make the magic happen. You are the reason we come back every week to entertain, have fun, and just listen and interact with all of you. So thank you, the D-Heads. That truly is the Christmas gift that keeps on giving, not the Jelly of the Month Club. 
So all of you D-heads with the holidays in wing, a lot of fun festivities to take place here this weekend. Before I let you go, I gotta give you different ways that you can stay connected here at Diz Radio. And first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio.com. There you can find our full list of past shows, the complete podcast archives, and our latest news blogs, and so much more. And you can also find all of our social media links there as well. From TikTok, Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, you can find them all there as well. Just go to DizRadio.com and find all those links on our homepage. I'd also encourage you to go out there and subscribe. Wherever you subscribe to podcasts, subscribe to the show, iTunes, all the other places. Ask Alexa, ask Google. You ask them to play it, they will play it. And definitely shoot us a review. Nothing could be better than giving us a positive review on iTunes and all the other places so we know we've touched your lives. So all of you D-heads, as I mentioned, holidays in wing. I'm excited to get out there and celebrate the holidays. So let's press on. And until next week, as I always say, never neglect family for business. You can always make money. You can't always make memories. And that is especially true here in the Christmas season. Until next week, all of you D-heads, have a very Merry Christmas. It's that time. Christmas time is here. Everybody knows there's not a better time of year. Hear that sleigh. Santa's on his way.
Thank you for tuning into the Diz Radio Show. The thoughts and comments expressed are those of the show and do not reflect any company or guest heard on our program. Now go on and relive the magic, fun, excitement, and appreciation from your lifetime of memories. See you real soon.